Well, hello, and welcome to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast, practical advice for an impractical business. I'm your host, Jim Henry. The show is brought to you in part by donations from individual listeners, like my good pal Maria Sangiolo, Bobby Bobman Fishman at Respect Productions, Kristen Andrews from the band Dynamite, the good folks at Signature Sounds in the Parlor Room in Northampton, Massachusetts, and from Club Passim, the premier listening room in the heart of Harvard Square. Together, we've raised only a portion of what's needed to produce these shows. Please help keep the Pro Tips podcast afloat by going to www.patreon.com slash jimhenry and join the other generous listeners in supporting this podcast. Today on the show, we have Susan Catanio. Susan is a professor of songwriting at the Berklee School of Music in Boston, where she's been teaching for 20 years. An astounding singer and performer, Susan frequently headlines her own shows throughout New England. She's opened for a wide range of national artists, including Amy Grant, Paula Cole, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and Bill Kirchin, with whom she wrote two songs that appear on her latest CD, The Hammer and the Heart. She's won countless awards for her songwriting acumen, most recently a Boston Music Awards nomination for Best Americana Artist, as well as winning the 2018 Connecticut Folk Festival Songwriting Contest. She's a two-time finalist at the prestigious Kerrville New Folk Competition and a Falcon Ridge Folk Festival Emerging Artist finalist. Susan has a deep love for the craft of songwriting, and I'm delighted she took the time to share that love and her expertise with us here today. So let's say hello to Susan Catania. Well, hello, Susan Catania. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good. It's so fun to be sitting in your living room. <laughs> it's awesome to have you here. Yeah, pro <laughs> tips on the road. Yep, exactly. So I wanted to, since, uh, since it's you, I wanted to start this uh, podcast off a little differently and start it with the song because awesome. I love your songwriting and oh, thank you. so let's let's uh this is one of yours right this is one of mine I co-wrote it with Marco Relli ah he, who as, you've had on your yes he was show. one of the one of the, one of the guests too yeah so what's this one called it's called the river always wins all right let's do it
Well, that was awesome. Thank you for doing that. That was awesome. That was I, super fun. It was fun. I love playing with you. And I, you know, it's, I love playing with you. So it was one thing I ask everybody is, do you remember how we met or where we met? Do, I have a question. Do you remember how we met? I do. You do? I do. Let's okay. hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> so the wonderful and talented Alistair Mook uh-huh. um, puts together this great concert at, called The Pastures of Plenty at Club Passim. And he very, very graciously asked me to be a part of that. And it was you, Dennis Brennan, Jimmy Ryan, oh my God. Paul Kohansky, Alistair and me. Yeah. And I've worked with all of, like, it was kind of like all Was of, Tracy on that one? No, no. Anita Suhanen was supposed to be, and then she ended up getting sick, so yeah. she didn't come. So I was the only girl. But that's when that's I first when we met. met you. I, yes, that's exactly right. That's I. That's what I was going to say. Oh, good. I'm so glad because I thought you were going to, you'd forgotten that. But. No, I think, you know what? I think I might have hit on you that night. Do you remember that? I don't. I, How was could it? I have missed that? <laughs> Damn. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was sort of half-hearted. I it was think, subtle. But, yeah, yeah. So this was this was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Two thousand and eleven, I think, is when it was. Oh. I had just started taking guitar lessons with Alistair. <laughs> with Alistair? Yes. Really? And it was terrible because he would show me something, and then I would write like four songs using whatever that technique was. Uh-huh. He's like, "Okay, you need to stop with that right now." <laughs> So you had a guitar player with you that night. I, I did. I did. Um, Elliot Hunt, who was Elliot. the guy that I had been working with for a while, because I didn't play the guitar yet. <laughs> right. At all. Right. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, you had a, like a radio tour. Yeah. Um, yes, and around we New went... England, and he couldn't do it for some reason, <laughs> right. and so you asked me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we toured the Midwest together. Yes, we did. <laughs> that was my first trip to. We went to Louisiana. We did. <laughs> <laughs> and Dino came, as I recall. He was the, he was the driver. He was Dino, your husband and and uh, manager. Yeah, yeah. So enough of this trip down memory lane. <laughs> We're here to talk about some pro tips, among other things. Now, I sent you the list. Were there any that particularly stuck out with you? Well, there were so to many to choose there from you that you know it was it it was funny. First of all. The book is awesome, well, and I can't you. wait until it comes out because it's so good. And I can't wait for – I was saying I can't wait for the the new version that, you know, not just the top 50, but right, the top the vo- 100. Volume two. Yeah, it's yeah. just great. Um, but I kind of want to start with um, – with number 49, which, which is, is what? check that the instrument is in the case before you leave the house because I had this experience with you, actually. Yeah, I was there. Where uh, we had a gig out um, in Western Mass, and I grabbed my gig bag, and I play acoustic guitar and arrived at the gig and unzipped my case to discover that I had brought a Fender Telecaster <laughs> that belonged to my husband. And... Uh, so I remember saying to you five minutes before we go on, okay, so this knob, what do I, do I turn, how does this work exactly? And it was kind of wonderful because it made me really want to play the electric guitar. I haven't quite yet started yeah, right. to play the electric guitar, but uh, yeah, that was, thank it God is. you were there. I don't know what I would have done. I, I would have well, been like... Well, you, you did fine. Oh my you gosh. Great. Oh, it was... I put, that, I put that tip in there because that happened to me recently. 
Well, yeah, just, but what, what could you unpack that you couldn't well, play? Well, this was actually a problem. <laughs> I, was, I was supposed to play electric guitar on this gig and got to the gig, got all set up, opened the case, and there's a Dobro in there. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Because, I, yeah, I use the same case sometimes for yeah. that. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's a problem. So that's a really good tip. It is a good Strange tip. Strange and awesome and true. Yes. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it happens. It definitely happens. Cool. And then okay. what else? What else did you have? In there? All right. So then I'm going to get to like the 33 is the one that I think really resonates for me okay. as a songwriter. Right. But I also have to talk about. Yeah. Um, We're going to talk about songwriting at length, but let's let's knock out some of these other. Ones so first. Um, number 19. If you plan to perform standing up, oh, yeah. play standing up. I can't tell you how many times you know I'd practice at home sitting on the couch hunched over my guitar yeah. easily able to reach the the you know the bar chords mm-hmm. and then suddenly get to a show and realize that my guitar was strung a lot lower than the way I was playing it um when I was sitting mm-hmm. so that's kind of a two thing where it was like first of all make sure that you have the guitar positioned right. comfortably in the way that you're standing mm-hmm. so that maybe it mimics how you sit because mm-hmm. maybe if that's the most comfortable place for you to have it but then you know practicing while standing up i also think practicing while plugged in so that you get the sound of what your guitar sounds like uh, you know plugged in right. and what your mic sounds like plugged in because sometimes that can be shocking like right. you you get to the game you're like uh every single note that i'm playing on the guitar feels loud and right. you know yeah and you tend to play you play softer and, yeah. and 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 more gently yeah sometimes than you need to because you're afraid of it right or in my case you know i spend the whole gig kind of screaming loudly in my head oh my gosh it sounds terrible as opposed to if i was used to it like you know i've really tried to start practicing plugged in right so that when i get there i'm like oh okay i know how this is gonna sound right so yeah no it's 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 important to sort of to uh try and try and have actual combat you know experience (laughs) before you show up at the gig so well and then also if you play if you practice plugged in you'll end up whether you realize it or not, working on mic technique. Mm -hmm. Because you'll figure out, like, well, on this song, I might want to go in close to the mic, and on this other song on the chorus, I might want to back up a little bit. And you'll be used to that instead of it happening in in real time during your show. Right, (laughs) right. I know it's hard hard for people who don't have access to a PA to do that, but it's worth it if you can figure out how to do it. Well, even like the, there's, you know, a little amp that you can plug your guitar into and right. also plug your vocal mic into. So, right. you know, they, they, there is a portable way to do it and practice that yes. way. So I agree 100%. Yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> something important. And then. What else did you see in there? I also really like number 21. Which is? Practice your stage banter. Oh, yeah. That is do so. Do you do that? I do. Yeah. I do. I try and have two, sometimes three different stories for every song because you can get stale if you repeat the same story as well so i'll try and come up with three different angles that i can approach a song and Hmm. that and i i I try and do that and i try and like i used to because i like talking (laughs) (laughs) i used to talk before every single song before every single song and i could tell like the musicians that i was working with were like oh god she's talking again (laughs) So I've tried to be a little more strategic now and make sure that I that I 
reserve space in the set for a story. Right. And, uh, and then don't talk as much between the other songs right. and then introduce another story. Um, well, it's, not, it's cool sometimes to go right from one song into the it's next. It's awesome. It's yeah. good. It's fun for the audience because it, it keeps the energy going. Right. Yeah, it's more exciting to do that sometimes. I agree. Sometimes. It, the other thing about practicing your stage banter is a lot of times there's um, a time issue. Oh, you know, especially yeah. if you're an opener. Yeah. So it becomes very important that you know how long it takes to tell your stories. Right. Definitely. Yeah. When I think that um, there are times if I'm opening a show where. I'm like, I just want to sock them with as much music as right. possible. Right. So I'm going to limit everything that I say. So I do like an abbreviated version of the story. But then there are other times when, you know, the, I don't know, somebody in the band will need to tune up or need right. to change a different tuning. And so it requires more, more fill time. Um, I also have to say that because I practice my stage banter, it's good because you can see what works and what doesn't work and... Uh, and then that also, it's strange because the more practice you do, almost the more spontaneous you can be. Right. Cause like, you know, it's kind of like one of your other tips where it's like the more pre-production that you can do before you go into the studio, the more spontaneous you can actually be in the studio. Right. Cause you've worked out all the kinks. Right. And I think the same thing applies to stage banter. I love it for, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. Yeah. And for me, like, um, the storytelling that he does was something that was always really appealing. He does to that me. on the stage? Yeah. Huh. And like the stories behind the songs, I love that. I'm a total songwriting geek. So for me, like what what started the story? What started the song? What was the the inspiration? I love that behind the scenes stuff. Right. So. And you, you yes, and you talk about that where your songs come from and, mm -hmm. and let the audience know. Yeah. Huh. Cool. All right. Yeah. What else what else you got on there? Anything? Well, so this is the one that I was like, you know, every musical moment should be in service to the song. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm sorry, because that, but I see that, I think maybe you meant that in terms of performance, right? So the, you know, the guitar player, whatever solo part should be in service to the song, whatever drum part should be in service to the song, vocally should be in service to the song. I believe that that also can be applied to songwriting. Absolutely. Like everything should be in service to what the what the hook is. Like I would say like all roads lead to the hook. So lyrically, you know, you should always write to whatever your main theme is. Okay. And so let's, before we get, before we get too deep into this, yeah, because we're going to talk about songwriting yes. here. So let's talk about songwriting. Okay. So let's tell people, uh, I've met, I'm sure I mentioned it in, in the introduction, but you teach songwriting. I do. At Berkeley. Yes. Yes. And you've been doing that for how long? Oh, uh, for forever. <laughs> forever. Forever. I have been, I, I will now be going into my 20th year of teaching holy songwriting cow. at Brian. Holy cow is right. I know. So you must know something about songwriting. I don't know. You know, they keep, they keep holding on to me. So yes, I, I can't, I'm a geek. I'm a songwriting yeah. geek. So, I mean, I have a whole list of questions here mm -hmm. and, uh, I actually got some questions from, I asked my Patreon patrons if they had any questions oh, for cool. you about oh, songwriting. Awesome. I love that. Um, so, well, let's, and we were talking a little bit while I was setting up the, mm -hmm. the um, equipment. Songs, uh, song structures, it seems like it has changed somewhat over Definitely. the years. Yeah. Right? So if you start with like old, you know, folk songs, I mean, if we're talking about sort of acoustic folk type right. stuff, yep. you know, songs like 
for instance, Tom Dooley. Yeah. You know, it's just that's the yeah. the, mel- the the chorus and the verse are exactly the same. Right. And then, uh, you know, then there's like verse and chorus. Yeah. And then there's a bridge. I mean, there's different parts of a song. So, right. Can you talk about the different parts of songs, like the different? Wow. Um, okay. So, uh, I'm gonna go super geeky on you. Okay, for a go. Minute. Okay. Do it. That's what we're so. Uh, going back to uh, the verse-refrain form, which was started in folk music, where you had like a verse that tells the story part of the song. It usually has the images and the metaphors and or the emotions. And then there's usually one line at the end. Right. And it, uh, it goes to the do note, so you feel like you've arrived at home base. And it's usually the title of the song. So uh, Dylan, for example, a lot of Dylan's music, you know, the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer right. is blowing in the wind. That's a verse-refrain song. Right. Um, Chuck Berry is, does those Chuck too. Berry, yeah. I mean, uh, I think... Memphis is another one of yeah. those songs. I mean, I, so they're very, very common. And sometimes that song form is also called an A-A-B-A form. A meaning verse-refrain, A verse-refrain, B is a bridge section that goes somewhere else and then returns A to the A section verse refrain. And um, so that uh, th- that's one kind of song form. Uh, you usually find uh, verse refrains, the refrain line can be at the bottom of the verse or at the top of the verse. So... Yeah, what's an example of a top of the verse? Um, yesterday, all my troubles seem right. so far uh-huh, yeah, away. Yeah. Uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Yesterday. So every time we hear that, even if it doesn't say yesterday, we get the same da-da-da. Right. So that is the personality of that refrain line. And so that's why it's not in any other line in that verse section. We never right. get that da-da-da. That's only occurring in the top line. Um, it's brilliant. Yeah. Another <laughs> one is uh, Storm Warning, which is a Bonnie Raitt song. Um, um, when I get to Warwick Avenue by Duffy, um, uh, there are a lot of, they tend to be more ballads. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but they tend to be more ballads, um, verse refrains. And then that kind of evolved and then became verse chorus and verse chorus. Chorus is actually a completely different section. Right. So the verse is usually lower in register, so it's usually sung in a lower place. Mm-hmm. Then the chorus, it's called, it's named after the Greek word chorus, right? Which was in when they would do plays, there would be a Greek chorus that would come out and make a statement about what we had just seen. A group of people saying, here is what we just saw. And that's what a chorus that's does. That's cool. I had no idea that's yeah. where that came from. So you want the <laughs> chorus to be the sing-along section. Right. So it sort of sums things up. It sort of sums things up. Yeah. It usually contains the title of the song. And because it's the part that we want to be memorable, it sometimes repeats the hook. And it repeats every single time after the verse because right. we want people to sing along with it. And, you know, if you think about if, if you see a child crossing the street and you go, no, stop. Or you see a child crossing and you go, no, stop. Your voice gets higher mm-hmm. because we're going to pay more attention to a higher voice. So that's why the chorus section is usually located in a higher register than the verse, hmm. because it's going to it's going to be more memorable that way. Um, so then that's verse chorus form. That's verse chorus, verse chorus, bridge chorus, or that's one of the standard forms. Then 
this new song form developed with a pre-chorus. Pre-chorus, yeah. And a pre-chorus is otherwise known as a ramp or a bridge or a transitional bridge. When, or, did, the, when did this start happening? Because this has happened in my lifetime. <laughs> well, I, I think of pre-chorus started in like the late 50s, 60s. Like really? that was when, yeah. It wasn't like the AABA form actually started in Tin Pan Alley in that because that's they were written for Broadway musicals and they would have like a 32 bar section with a refrain line at the top or the bottom. And then when the fifties came, it developed into a chorus and then a pre-chorus developed out of that. People just wanted to, I don't know why it developed. It's really, I don't, that would be good. Something good. I'd have to look up. Let's, uh, can you give us an example of a pre-chorus? Um, uh, okay. Aretha Franklin. And when my show was in the lost and found, who came along to claim it? Now I'm no longer doubtful of what I'm living for. And if I make you happy, I don't Uh need to do more because you make me feel. So it's like a build section that usually has like a ramp type of feel. So Um, why isn't that why isn't that part of the verse? Um. Because its function is different in the song. Uh, if you talk about the fact that the verse has the story section, the, the, the imagery, the metaphors are all in the verse. Right. The pre-chorus's job is to act as a ramp to the chorus. Because the chorus is going high. The chorus is going high. Right. So it's kind of a transitional Helps piece. Us to get there so it bit. doesn't usually contain material that is like more really detailed, more and more and more. It's like, and here we're going to go to the chorus. <laughs> That's what a pre-chorus does. Huh. But these days... That's all. All game is off. Well, before we get to these days, let's uh, let's talk about the bridge a little bit. Okay. All right. So what's what is a bridge? So a bridge is a section that usually occurs about three quarters of the way into the song. The job of the bridge, well, it, it can have multiple usages, but the point is that we want to depart from the song for a moment, take us somewhere new, and that can mean taking us somewhere new melodically, chordally. Um, and it's an opportunity to say one more thing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, some really successful bridges will um, will take the take the chorus line, take the chorus line, take the <laughs> take the hook or the title of the song one step further and develop it. Or um, the bridge will be. Uh, if you have a verse that's like super dense and has a lot of lyrics in it, your chorus is also super dense, right? <laughs> then you get to the bridge. That's an opportunity for you to give your listener a different taste we'll of something. Down. So maybe you'd open it up to like, da, 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 and then you go back, right? And so I love bridges. I used to hate them. Because I would write it, and I'd be so exhausted by the time I got to the bridge. I'd be like, oh, just do an instrumental. Right. But now I, I lyrically see it as an opportunity to to say something more. Well, I, I was thinking about this on the way over Tell about me. song structure and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so I was thinking of uh, Take Me Home Country Roads. Yeah. Right? It's got verses, chorus, and it's got a bridge. It's got that bridge. I hear a voice in the morning that she calls me. Right? Well, and if you think about it, up to that point in the song, we didn't have a she. 
right? So we don't know why he wants to go hunt home. Right. And But I hear a voice right. in the morning now. She calls me. Radio reminds me of my home far away. So, so now the bridge has introduced that he's not only going home because he's longing for home, but there's someone there waiting for him. Right. So that's kind of a unique, that's, that's more information than we have known up to right. this point. Right. It's a good example. My, I don't write bridges a lot, mm. you know, I'm, and I'm not sure whether that's just lazy or whether, <laughs> you know, I, I really don't feel like the song needs it. Well, sometimes you'll write a song and it'll be like, no, everything that I needed to say is done. Like the river always wins, doesn't right. have a bridge. Right. And we tried to write a bridge for that. And it was like, no, doesn't you know, need it. it doesn't need it. We've, we've said what we needed to well, say. Well, that's, that's uh, an, instrumental, an instrumental often serves right. that purpose. Right, right. And sometimes, some, yeah, sometimes the instrumental is musically different. Right. It'll go somewhere else. Well, if you think of Tracks of My Tears, that's another one. That outside I'm masquerading, inside my hope. That's a chance for you to really like open it up. So the bridge has this like everything slows down and then it goes, my smile is my makeup, right. which is a really cool kind of transitional bridge out of the bridge back into the <laughs> chorus, right? Cause it gives a, a new, like a, a triplet feel that we haven't had up to that point. Cause right. we're in like duple feel and then suddenly da, 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 da. We have build, build right. increases the speed. It's really cool. It is cool. And it's fascinating. Yeah. You know? And and we were talking about this again while I was setting up, you know. Yeah. And you were you were about to go there about how the song structures today, or you know, it's really starting to be different than. Well, than yeah. I mean, I think what the the interesting thing. Oh, I don't even know where to start with this. The mm-hmm. interesting thing is that pop music um, has either evolved or devolved. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what's going on there. Depends on how old you are, probably. Well, I mean, I think that if if you think about Lady Gaga, right? So Lady Gaga, her song, Bad Romance, has multiple choruses in it, multiple hook lines that are all high in register and are all going to make you remember it. So... I think she was kind of the first one, and then Bruno Mars certainly has done it. Katy Perry has done it. Uh, Justin Timberlake. Now it's really about building choruses. So you'll have like a very small verse, and then like a, then two pre-choruses, and then three choruses, and then an <laughs> ooh section after that that's also kind of acting as a chorus. Right. So it's all designed to be super sing-alongable and super right. accessible. Right. So um, I think I think because. I like the lyric part of it. I feel a little sad that we're not getting the kind of meat of the story so right. much anymore, or the meat of the emotion in those in that pop genre right, right. now. But certainly in ballads, in pop, pop ballads, you are. Um, what's interesting is that that's what's happening in pop music. Right. But I all I think that in folk music, for example. Um, uh, things are kind of going back traditionally to an older style with with modern sensibility, if I could say that. Like, Well, isn't that sort of what Americana is, yeah, essentially? Yeah. Sort of folk music with a little Yeah, with a little edge or with yeah. a little Motown influence or something. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard this guy? I just heard him the other night. Uh, Coulter Wall. Uh-uh. You heard this guy? No. Oh, my God. It's like Johnny Cash meets uh, Tom Waits. Oh, cool. And he's young. He's like 22. Nice. And 
He's unbelievable. I will have to. Is he? Where is he? He's from of? Saskatchewan. Oh, nice. But he's, you know, he's starting to he's starting to catch on. I'll totally check him out. Yeah, you should totally check him out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, we we were talking about my daughter Ruby, and she, she's writing some songs. Mm-hmm. She comes to me for some advice or some help mm-hmm. with stuff, and my tendency is to straighten out her forms. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And sometimes she's open to that. And sometimes she's like, no, this is how the song goes. Right. And I'm discovering more and more that she's right. To tell her story, it needs to be crooked. And it's cool. I don't write like that. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to, you know, experiment with that more. Right. right. So are you finding your students wanting to sort of be a little more crooked with stuff? Or are they looking to... Um, write pop tunes. I I get all I get all I get the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I think there are people that are really trying to adhere to the pop formula right now, and then I get other students who are. I had a student just yesterday actually who brought in a song that he'd written that was really a stream of consciousness song, and the it was six minutes long, and I think that's awesome but then you know you have to kind of talk to the student I had to talk to the student but like okay so what do you want from this like is this going to be part of a is is this a style of songwriting that you want to write in because it's going to be accessible to less people than it would be if it were a little more conforming to form if there was something in it so we talked about like the power of repetition so even if he doesn't have a chorus per se if there are lines that can come back in some way, in some rendition, either melodically or lyrically, that will give the listener a little bit of a break. So I think for, you know, when I hear a six minute song that's like super densely written, um, after I can't, I couldn't listen to a whole album like that. My right. brain would hurt. Right. So that's why I think, uh, why I think these different sections are important. Because well, they help. They help. Yeah, they help the listener pay attention. Yeah, and, yeah, and it gets the story across. Right, right. Right. Whatever that story is. Right. And yeah, six minute song. Six minutes is a is a, a lot to ask of a listener. Oh, it really. And he's a wonderful singer songwriter. So you certainly like. I would buy his album when yeah. he's done with Berkeley. Yeah, one or two like that is right. fine, but yeah, a whole album right. that would be right a hard tedious yeah. to take. But I think that you know, there's there's. There is a place in the world for for music that is not easily accessible. There's there's nothing wrong with that, um, and I think that uh, if you know if I have a six minute song and the lyrics are just stupendous and I'm in that landscape that that person has created, then yeah. Do you have a six minute song? Um. Uh, I have a five-minute song, Mm -hmm. certainly, yeah, definitely, yeah. I have a few. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I think, uh, yeah, I have have one called Barn Burning that was on my album Haunted Heart, and I wrote it, and it's pretty much in AABA form, so it has a refrain line, but it ended up being like seven verses long. But it's exactly what I wanted to. It has two bridges. Like, I don't care. Not changing it because that is it. it need, every single section needed to be there. Right. And the good news is that when I actually went into the studio and recorded it, I had played it much slower. And when I went in with the band, you know, I went in with Marco Jovino. Right. And it suddenly became mid tempo, 
So it, it probably was eight minutes long and it became five <laughs> after that. So that was good. <laughs> it needed a little bit of, of adrenaline, yeah. I think. <laughs> That's funny. So do you have something on the bench all the time, something you're working on all the time? I do. I, I end up, I, I think I'm a multitasker to, to, to the nth degree in the sense that I usually am writing three or four songs simultaneously. And like all the time? All the time. Do you ever take a break? Do you ever say, okay, I'm not going to write for a week or whatever? Well, yeah. I mean, it definitely there are times when the, the song will languish. Like I'll just write a lyric and I'll be like, okay, well, that's that for now. <laughs> and maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe I won't. But um, I, I really love it. And it makes me, when I write songs, if I'm co-writing or just writing by myself, I feel grounded in the world and I feel a certain joy to my life that I just never don't want to have. So um, there have been times in my life, you know, when family is like a family thing will come up and my, my energy will be, will be dispersed elsewhere. And I find that I'm not creative when that's happening. Cause I just, it's going somewhere else. But do you write anyway, even when you're not being creative? Um, just, just to, just to do it? Sometimes. Yeah. I write short stories um, on the side. And so you know, I have a, a folder in my computer that's called, what is it called? It's called like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, I just put stuff in there. Uh-huh. And, you know, and sometimes it's, it's, it's almost like a diary in the sense that I'll, I'll, I'll write something creative and then it will end up being something that I actually wanted to say or wanted to express with words. But I, I love it. So, yeah. Hi, folks. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we'll get back to Susan in just a second. As most of you know, I'm a one-man operation. In order for me to continue producing shows for you to enjoy, I need your help. Please visit www.patreon.com slash Jim Henry and make a contribution today. You'll feel good, I promise. Now let's get back to the conversation with Susan. So, uh, okay, there's a couple of things you've said I want to latch on to. So co-writing. And this, yeah. is, this is a question that I have, but it's also a question that uh, so a couple of my patrons mm-hmm. on Patreon have chimed in and said, ask her about co-writing. Like, how does that work? I have almost no experience co-writing um, because it's a, for me, it's a very solitary, mm. you know, I got to just sit there and think and drink whiskey sometimes yeah. and just, you know... Um, I can't imagine doing that in the same room with somebody. Well, it's a different animal altogether. So it's certainly, you know, I think the wonderful thing about co-writing is that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. So it's not only up to you to come up with everything. And there are times when like you do like a lot and then you can take a break and relax while the other person works a little bit. Yeah, but don't you you ever, do you feel any uh, loss of ownership over something? Uh, very rarely, but, but I have to say, you know, there was one experience where I really liked this song idea that I had and I brought it into a co-write with two other writers and they just took it in a completely different direction. And it was okay, but for me, I, some of the magic of what I had thought the song was going to be was lost. Right. So you got to, you, yeah, you have to be willing to give up you some of that. You have to be willing to give it up. But I think like, first of all, co-writing is like dating, so sometimes it's a love connection and sometimes it isn't. And it really has no bearing 
on whether what you bring to the picture, talent-wise or lyric-wise, is good or not. It's just not the right idea for that other person. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I had to learn. Because, you know, if a co-write didn't go well for me in the beginning, I would be like, what did I do wrong? Why wasn't I able to write a good song with this person? Or, you know, why didn't they like the lyric that I was pitching them or the melody that I was singing? Why am I not good? And I've done enough co-writing now to know that it's just, it, it has to be the right person, the right lyric, or the right melody at the right time. So normally, if you and I were going to co-write together, I would come to our meeting with a bunch of stuff. So I'd come with song titles. I'd come with maybe a, a riff that I had come up with, a, maybe a melody, maybe a concept, like, let's write a song about whales or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I would pitch that to you. I'd be like, well, what do you think about this? And you, as my co-writer, have the right to say, uh, I don't know. No, I don't know. Not, it's not speaking and, to me or and whatever. And that's, yeah. that's not any reflection because I might go to the next person and I might say the same idea and they're like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what that experience is. So I learned early on not to throw away my hooks, throw away my song ideas if they weren't taken the first time around. Yeah, just because someone didn't, didn't uh, latch onto it doesn't mean somebody else won't. Yeah, exactly. So do you keep like a book of, okay, I, I, I'm of ideas for, for co-writing? Yes, that's separate from... No, they're all together. Yeah. Everything's all together. So you don't keep some ideas for yourself? I used to do that because I, I, I felt very strongly that if I had something really that was like a really good hook, I wanted to wanna, write it myself. You didn't want to share it. But I found that now, honestly, well, especially now with the music industry, no one's making any money on anything. But um, if you and I write a song together and you love it as much as I love it, that means two people now are out in the world loving this one song. So I'm going to sing it in my gig. You might sing it in your gig. Somebody might hear it at your gig. Somebody might hear it at my gig. And it's more real estate mm -hmm. out there. So the more you can share, I think, the better. Um, and the the other thing is, like, there are different kinds of co-writing. Like, like we could work together and say, you wanted an album, right? You're writing an album. So that's different than us just hanging out and coming up with a song idea because it's almost like you want to build a house. And in my job as your co-writer, I'm the architect. I, I have to build the house with you. Mm -hmm. So if you say, you know, I want my house to look like a castle, that's going to be my song. My song is going to be a castle. It's not my job as your co-writer to be like, no. No, we want it to be a trailer. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not inserting my ego or opinion right. onto you if we're writing for you as the artist. Right. So that's different than if we just hang out and like whatever comes up, comes up. That's also a kind of co-writing that's really, really fun as right. well. So. Um, well, that leads me to another thing I wanted to try mm -hmm. with you. Yes. Um, I have this song that I wrote. The very first song that I wrote. Nice. And it's terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Sappy. Um, and I was thought maybe we could, I could try playing it for you okay. and just have you, you know, either approach it as a co-writer. Okay. Like, so, so, yeah, so it's like I have a verse of this song. We've already set it up that it's bad. It might not be bad. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> 
Are you willing to try that? Of sort course. of like a live, yeah. you know, real sure. time thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now now I'm nervous. Now you're. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So wait. Uh, so cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, you don't want to disparage your song before you play yeah, it okay. for me. <laughs> okay. That would be terrible. Okay. But then I also have students that like, they'll be like, let me play this song. First of all, let me tell you, I was having this conversation with my boyfriend and he said, right. and so I, I like that. to just hear the song. Yeah, me too. Like, I don't want to know anything right. about it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I can't believe it. your this. crappy song. <laughs> And then we'll, we'll get to some of these other questions. Cool. This is too much fun. I want to make sure to get to all the questions. All right. Okay, I'm just stalling now. Okay. No, no, no. Let's see. You know I wish that you'd never say goodbye. You know I wish you were always by my side. No, I'd like to spend my whole life with you Cause baby, I'm in love with you That's it That's it? That's all we got? That's all we got <laughs> I, There might have been more, I don't remember This was, you know, I was probably 17 years old or something mm, Nice so, so, I, so let's say I brought this to you as a co-write Yeah Would you kick me out of the house or... <laughs> No. How how would we how would we even begin with something like that? Well, so first of all, it would depend on if you loved that section. If you loved that section, it's not my job as your co-writer to be like, you know what, I don't like that. Right. So one of the first rules of co-writing is you don't trash someone else's idea ever, ever, ever. As somebody said, like you just say yes, say yes, and. So I'm never, I wouldn't be like, oh, I don't like the melody. I don't like the thing. It's like not good. I might come around to editing that a yeah. little bit in the long run, right. but that's where we're starting. Right. So I'd be like, okay, so if that's our, is that our chorus section? Do you think that's a chorus? Uh, I thought it was a verse. Oh, okay. But um, so the reason it kind of sounds like a chorus, it sound, though, doesn't why it? Does it? So why does it sound like a chorus? Uh. Well, musically, it does. Yeah. Um, and it's really the point of the song. I mean, where right. do you go after? Where do you go after that? Right. So, so in my head, I probably wouldn't say this to you in a co-write, but in my head, I'm like, okay. So he's got this melody. It kind of goes up high. There's repetition. I wish. I wish. Right? right. First two lines, and then they both close on the, the same rhyme scheme. Right. And then the next two lines also the same length and close on the word you and you. So it feels like a statement. Piece. Right. So it's more like a so chorus. So it's more like a chorus. So now I'd be like, okay, well, if we're writing the song, what happens in the story? Right. What is the story? Why aren't you with that person? Well, I could tell you, but. Right. <laughs> but so that would be like where we would start. It'd right. be like, okay, detail wise, tell me. And there are two ways that you can write detail. All right. So if you're writing about. Tell me about who you were writing about, just for fun. Tell me, make it up, even if it's not... Uh, Dolores. Dolores. Okay, so this is a song for Dolores, okay. who you're not with. So you could either write... But the, I wish I was with you her. You wish you were with her. Yeah. And so I'd be like, okay, well, first of all, what does Dolores look like? Right. Where does she live? When you saw her last, what did she look like? What color is her hair? What did she say to you? So this is... Is this... What you would do in a co-writer is just what you would do with a student, or is it? Or it's is it, they're interchangeable. Because what thing. I would happen is I would ask you, and you would start talking. So tell me about Dolores. 
And I would be on my computer and I would be writing down what you're saying. Whatever I said. And then I would be taking it and making it a little more creative. So if you said, you know, Dolores, um, she's got the most beautiful blonde hair. And, you know, the last time I saw her, you know, we were in a meadow and the sun was shining and she was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, Dolores, uh, you know, uh, uh, her hair um, um, lit with gold. Right. So I'm taking what you said and now I'm making it a little more lyrical. Mm -hmm. So I would write the verses based on our conversation. And then verse two. So verse one would be about a description of Dolores and or how, you know, what she said to you, like, was she smoking cigarettes? Was she in an apartment? Was it nighttime? Were there streetlights? What would it be? And then in verse two, I would tell you, I would ask you, like, what does she make you feel like? What did she say to you? How does she fill your heart? So in this case, my because it's your chorus, I'm kind of trying to pull the information out of you. So it's an established chorus, as Mm -hmm. opposed to if you and I came up with something together, it would feel more like we were both in it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of serving a role in this song. Mm -hmm. The other way that we could write this song is if I didn't want to describe Dolores, maybe she's you know, maybe that's not a thing, right? Then I would ask, like, well, what is a metaphor for how you feel about her? So what is a metaphor for how you feel about Dolores? Dolores is the what? Uh, Dolores is the... Moon. Well, okay, moon, fine, that's fine. So if Dolores is the moon, yeah, right? Yeah. So then you're the tides. Because uh, uh-huh. Dolores controls you. And I know, moon, and that's the problem. And the moon, <laughs> the moon controls the that's tide. The, you know, that's the whole thing. You got right to it. You're like a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, honestly, yes, yeah. yes. Right. So is, um, do you always look for a story, like always? Uh, or is there, I mean... N- no, because sometimes the song is about an emotion. Right. But the emotion, like if, if I said, you know, I'm feeling really sad, okay? So my song is like, oh, I'm really, really sad. Right. Well, what does sadness feel like? Sadness feels like every day is a Monday. Rainy Monday. A rainy Monday. Yeah. So it so then that's my hook. Every day is a rainy Monday. So that's where I'm kind of starting our song from. And so then I would describe you're kind of like uh, the way I like to talk about it, it's like writing sadness in the key of Monday and rain. So it's the beginning of the week. Loneliness is the beginning of the week. Uh, my tears are rain. I know that that's cliche, but so that would be a place where I would start if we were going to co-write something. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the Dolores song, going back to that, if Dolores was the moon and we like started thinking about the moon and the fact that, you know, um, during the day, she's invisible to me because the moon is invisible to me in, during the day, right? Mm-hmm. Can't see it. It's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And so maybe... Except for the day moon, sometimes yeah. the day moon. But maybe a hook that might come out of that song, which we would come around to and I'd make you rewrite that chorus, <laughs> is maybe the hook instead of like, and I'm in love with you or whatever right. it is, is, and you're invisible to me. Or I'm invisible to you. That's actually a more interesting hook than what you came up with in right. your initial chorus. Right. But we'd have to talk about it to kind of get to that place. 
Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, and I, I've done a little bit of that with people. You know, right. it's like they, yeah, it's like what, but I, I need to see a story. Right. Like I have a harder time unless there's a story. Right. Um, and because when there is a story, you can kind of go through that process and say, well, right. tell me about the story. Tell me right. about the people. Tell me about the place. And, you know, and it's easier to, that's easier for me to write songs like that. I, I like also, I mean, for me, it's, I, I guess if I'm writing an emotion-based song, so like a pop-based song, it, it always hangs on a metaphor. So even though it's not a story song, we're not talking about Bob and Dolores or whatever, right. we are, you know, you are kind of hanging it on something. Right. So if you think about songs like Firework by Katy Perry, I don't baby, know that one. Uh, baby, you're a firework, that's a metaphor song. Right. Right. Or Titanium, you know, I will not be... I will not be broken. I am titanium. So a lot of the modern pop songs hang the entire concept on some sort of visual. Um, Sia does it with elastic heart. It's yeah, you really I have cool. no... I, you have, I have no concept no of what cons- songs I'm no. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so out of that. But I'm sure lots of people know what they are. Yeah. Hey, so let's... I want to get to some of these other All questions, right. too. This is great. Cool. This is, I'm having a great time. Um uh, let's see. Oh, this, yeah. Somebody was asking about if you, if you had any recommendations for books about songwriting. Well, so the, my favorite book is Writing Better Lyrics by Pat Patterson. Um, and I use that in my teaching and I'm actually in the book cause he, he asked a bunch of writers to submit writing for it. Mm-hmm. And then he has another one called writing beyond boundaries, which is kind of like the level two version of it. But I think writing better lyrics is a really good place to start. It's very, um, uh, it has great exercises. It's very creatively written kind of like your book. <laughs> um, so it's like a good read. It's like interesting and fun to mm-hmm. read. And, um, and I think it kind of teaches like, a lot of the major concepts, like going back to verse refrain, for example, one of the chapters has, um, when you write a verse refrain songs, it should, it should build an intensity. And so it talks about like building boxes of verses. And, um, so I love that chapter on it for, you know, an object writing I use a lot of. Do you know, have you ever read, uh, writing down the bones? Uh-uh, Natalie no. Goldberg. No. It's, it's not about songwriting. It's just about writing. Um, I haven't heard that. Well, my friend, another book, my friend Scarlett Keys has a new book out on songwriting, which is, she's my colleague and one of my favorite co-writers. And she has, uh, I don't remember what the book is called. <laughs> well, they can look it up. Yeah. And it's great. It it, it's kind of, it's not out yet, so it'll be out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then there's Morning Pages, which is, um, which is another book that is great. Um, and then Annie Lamont. Oh yeah, the one about the bird that I can't remember the name of, but um, that's also just on creative writing. But I mean, the thing is, like, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be an athlete, you can't put on your shoes and run a marathon. If you want to be a writer, you have to write. Right. Yeah, I know. It (laughs) sounds so simple. (laughs) However, you get there. I for me, you know, I think having a writing exercise, a daily writing exercise, is really important. Well, uh, I think a lot of people this. Uh, uh, are baffled about it's easy to start a song Mm -hmm. it's harder to finish it and get it over the goal line yeah so uh and one of the questions i got was do you have any advice for for how to do that like how to get that last 
little bit done. I have about like a thousand ways that you can finish <laughs> a song. So, but the first being ties really nicely back. Sometimes you need to bring in a co-writer to help you finish right. a song. So it's really nice sometimes to share the burden of, oh gosh, help me finish this. Right. Um, the thing that I think is really helpful to finish songs is um, first going back to kind of song form is each section doing what it should be doing. Because sometimes you don't finish a song because your verse is filled with lines that are saying, I'm the title of the song. And then your chorus comes along and it's also got things right. that are, I'm the title of the song. Right. Or you have a chorus that has a lot of detail in it that maybe you should take that out. And that's verse two melody or verse two material. And you just have the chorus be the title of the song repeated four times. Right. So... Um, uh, you know, something that happens a lot in people's songs is that they'll have a verse and the melody of the verse will have the same thing in the chorus. Right. And so they'll do a verse chorus and then they'll do another verse and another chorus. And we've had now four sections that have exactly the same melody. Right. So we don't want to finish that song because we don't, we're like, we're done, you know? Well, I think, uh, yeah, rewriting something is hard to do. It it's hard is. to let go of something. And, and I think that is really probably why people have a hard time finishing song, because they have, don't want to change anything. When haven't you had that experience where, I, I know I have, where I've started a song with a line, and it's been like, I love this line. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. And I start writing the song, and I'm like, whatever happens... This line is staying, <laughs> this line. And I keep going through and I keep trying to make it fit. And it's like a puzzle. I'm like, darn. And I keep moving it around and trying it in different ways. And eventually, you know, you just gotta I got to lose the line. Yeah. And that's terrible. <laughs> um, do you know a songwriter named Steve Seskin? Yeah. So Steve Seskin yeah. has like the most beautiful analogy. He's like, I believe that the, he's like, in my mind, the muse is this beautiful woman and she's up on the throne and she goes like, oh, look at Steve down there working so hard. Here, Steve, <coughs> here is a beautiful melody and here's a beautiful lyric. He's like, but guess what? My muse is a jerk. <laughs> he's like, because here's the beautiful melody and here's the beautiful lyric. But guess what? They don't go together. <laughs> and he has to figure that out. And so sometimes I think I do that. Like sometimes I'll be like, why can't I finish a song? And I'm like, okay, I am just going to separate the twins, right? <laughs> I'm going to separate out my music. I had a student who came in and had this like, um, this, uh, this <laughs> song about he'd gotten together with his girlfriend and the song was like, I'm so happy we're together. Minor key. <laughs> at about 80 BPMs. Right. Super slow. And I was like, your music is saying one thing and your lyric is saying another. Are you really happy that you're back together? And he's like, no. <laughs> I was like, you're telling me that. Right. So sometimes a song won't get finished because we call it prosody. Prosody is when the music matches what right. the lyric is saying. And sometimes there isn't good prosody because they're not married well together and you need to separate them out. And that can be super freeing where you're like, okay, I love this lyric with this melody, but let I me mean, throw away the lyric. What does the melody look like? Right. You know, if it has like an up and down, up and down, up and down thing, oh, maybe I should write it about a roller coaster instead of 
a forest in the in the Utah or whatever it is. It's kind of it's. It sounds like what you're saying is you've got to you got to treat treat a song or the parts of a song almost like uh, Legos or building blocks. Yeah. You know, sometimes they go together, and sometimes, well, okay, we'll take this apart and we'll right. put this one on this other thing. Right. Yeah. And I think nothing is lost. I don't know why people feel like that something is somehow lost if it just can go into a different song. Right. And and I think the um, but it requires the ability to step be, step back for a moment and and just look at your song and be like, okay, objectively, you know. I think a lot of people, me included, when we're writing a song, it's like, okay, I got another song. Yeah. You know, I'm excited to have another song. Right. So the prospect of ripping it apart and not having a song right. is very disappointing. Right. Hard to let go of. I get. Yeah. I mean, I think. But someone like you, who's always writing. Yeah. And you got tons of songs going all the time. Right. It's like, okay, well, I'll use this piece somewhere else. Well, and I just need to say that every every single time, I'm always afraid that I'm never going to have another song. Right. Always. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know how to make that go away. Right. This is the last one. I've written like 150 songs, and I'm like, <laughs> and I've written it out, and I'm like, oh my God, well, that was it. I'm done. I've <laughs> I'm got all to dry it up. With, with something else. <laughs> and there's always another song. There's, yeah. a, a, there's always. Another you, right? Well, and you—you you have. It sounds like you make yourself open to the songs coming. Yeah. Right. You're always writing, and you're yeah. looking, and you're writing stuff down and keeping ideas, and you're you're ready for it when right. it happens. Yeah. Right. Hey, I want to also want to do this thing uh, that I've been doing with people. It's the either or game. I love this. And I want to make sure that we do this. So are you ready? I'm ready. So two, two <clears throat> words or yes. phrases, and you have to pick one like you have to live with it for the rest of your life. Okay, got it. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Solo or duo? Duo, definitely. <laughs> capo or no capo? Capo, capo but, yes. uh, but longing to be no capo. I'm so longing to not be capo, but I am so capo. I, I well, yeah, I love capos. How could we not have? How could we get along in life without them? Yeah, yes, I think that you have the option of also not using the capo. <laughs> if I, think I have to, for those of us, there are some of us who are just not there yet, and I, I long to be that there. Okay, sorry, we shouldn't. There's no conversation. It's oh, just either shoot. or. Oh shoot! Okay. okay, all right. I, I, I failed um, hmm. that too. So chorus or refrain? Uh, One or the other. The rest of your life. Refrain. Window or aisle? Aisle. <laughs> Guitar or piano? Oh, no. I don't want to have to choose. Guitar or piano? Ah, oh, piano. Live or recorded? Um, recorded. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> Scotch or bourbon? Uh, which one's whiskey? They're, well, they're both whiskey. Oh, Scotch. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we're here we are in Medford, close to Boston. Uh Patriots or Red Sox? <gasps> I don't know how into sports you are, but Well, it definitely Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. Football. Baseball's too long. Uh electric or acoustic? Electric. Really? Yes, because I like to rock. Okay. Dog or cat? Dog. Click or no click? Click. Aretha or Ella? Ooh. Oh, 
Oh, gosh. Aretha or Ella? Rest of your life. I know. Probably Ella. Really? Yeah, because of the songs that she sings. Yeah. Uh, and Beatles or Stones? Beatles. Yeah. Definitely. And that's what I got for you. There, I so. love that. I know. It's fun. <laughs> well, one question uh, somebody had was, how long does it take you to write a song? I know it probably varies, but... It does. Um, I would say probably uh, the like the average co-write is uh, four to six hours. Um, and you come out of there with a song? Yeah. Completed? Yeah. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Four to six hours and yeah. it's like, okay, this song's done. Yeah. So usually like four hours and then like a usually two hours the next time we get together to kind of like just make sure we finalize things Polish up. Polish it up. Yeah. Yeah, really? definitely. When I'm on, when I'm in the zone, yeah, definitely. Um, by myself, oh gosh, by myself, probably, probably three days. Really? Yeah. And and how like including the rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And when you say three days, you mean three eight-hour days or? Well, when I'm writing songs, I'm writing them all the time. Right. So even so, when you're going to the grocery store oh, in the yeah. car. Oh, and yeah. definitely when yeah. I'm in the... Well, I do so much on my phone, which I probably shouldn't be driving and doing shouldn't voice memos. Shouldn't be admitting memos, to that. <laughs> but I do. Yeah, I, I love voice memos. I get great ideas in the car. And it's so cool because I'll record little snippets of things. And then when I actually sit down to compile those, I'll see how the melody or the lyric evolved over a few... Um, over a few voice messages. It's mm-hmm. really cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I usually hand, I like to handwrite mm-hmm. ideas and lyrics, so I have them, and I always keep them. Nice. So it's fun to, yeah. it's fun to look back, yeah. especially years later, and say, oh, man, that's how that song evolved. Yeah, I love that. That's fun. What's the first song that you wrote? The first I mean, song. I guess, yeah, like, I, I bared my soul with my embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> so my first song... Oh gosh, I'm gonna blush. <laughs> uh, uh, I I my first boyfriend uh, was in Arizona and he was a cowboy, and so we had a lot of like singing around the campfire with the guitar thing, uh-huh. and I wrote a song for him. Yeah. Yeah. You want to share a little bit of that one? You don't have to, but <laughs> I can't. I can't. Oh my god, I don't. Yeah, I'll like try. give us a verse and a chorus, maybe. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. Nice. Oh, 
Oh God, it's only been a I am if I did that. <laughs> so no, yes. You know, it's 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 a little it's a slightly better than my first <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's so funny because I lots of nature. You know, like I think one of the kind of signs of an of a new songwriter is <laughs> Just put nature, lots of nature in there, because <laughs> they don't have. I guess the, the the their palette is only a few colors, right. and nature is one of the easiest ones to write about. So. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're breaking a lot of ground on this podcast. Oh, a lot of firsts. So. Well, I think I think we've covered the topic pretty well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> This was so fun. Yes, thank you very, very much for doing thank this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Oh, well, I'm glad you could do it. And I know that this is going to be, uh, people are going to love this one. Oh, you know, great. There's a lot of aspiring songwriters out there. So. Well, the only thing, so, so don't lose hope. Don't judge yourself too harshly. Uh, you know, I think like write as often as possible get inspired by other people's writing. I think that that, you know, it's hard because a lot of what we do, because if we write by ourselves, it's so isolated. Right. You know, you, you could have a tendency to 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 hate on yourself. And it's to easy feel, to do. Oh, right? And yeah. you just feel like, oh, I don't have anything worthwhile to say. It's all been said by the Beatles, so why <laughs> why even write it? And I think that, that music is an amazing gift that people can give to the world. And... So as far as I'm concerned, all the songs have not been written and, and I can't, you know, I'm excited to hear what people, what creative people will, will put out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Especially these young people coming up today. It's, or these old people yeah. who are, you know, cause I think like I'm a champion for late bloomers as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Susan Catanio. <laughs> thank you, Jim Henry. Coming on the Pro Tips podcast. How, what do you say we play a tune to, that we can use for the outro music? Awesome. So, uh, so what is the song we're going to do as the um, outro music? So it's called Bitter Moon, mm -hmm. and I wrote it when I discovered the treasure trove of uh, letters from my first ever love of my Aww. life. And I realized like, who you were kind of before your first love and who you are after your first love when it doesn't work out. Are you still in touch with this first love? No! <laughs> no! Thank God! Thanks for listening to the Pro Tips for Musicians podcast, practical advice for an impractical business. To find out more about what Susan is up to, visit her online at www.
www.susancatanio.com. If you enjoyed this show, please consider becoming a supporter. Visit www.patreon.com slash Jim Henry. There you'll find information on how to contribute, along with a great selection of rewards that are only available to supporters. Thanks for listening. 